Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. He did a dream, a dream, though what's harder to live? Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna love me for my ambition. Welcome on into episode 38 today here on the Hooper's Log. It is your Christmas hangover edition 2015 here on the Hooper's Log. Yes, it is a Monday, December 28th, 2015. Shout out to my mom. It is her birthday today. She turns 55. Uh, and for that, uh, happy birthday to her. Uh, but overall, it is a Monday, episode 38 on our daily edition here of the Hooper's Log. And we had quite the weekend. It was a weird weekend in the world of basketball uh, and overall in the world of sports, it was just it was just weird. It was just different. It wasn't a, a cookie cutter week. Obviously, you had you had the uh, performances uh, on Christmas Day of Friday, and then you had some interesting games on Friday. Or excuse me, on Saturday and Sunday after Christmas Day. The Cavaliers did not look like the team that we all expected them to be after this Christmas Day game on Saturday, and uh, just some weird games last night in the NBA. Uh, and another big-time topic to talk about is the fact that the Philadelphia 76ers, they got their second win of the season. Think about this, people. They are now 2-30. and 30. Yes. Absolutely. 2-30. and 30. The Philadelphia 76ers. They got it done. Time for a play on the play. They're there. Norris, you're in the building. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I, I just got hype over the 76ers. It's time for a playoff run. Philadelphia, okay? <laughs> they're they're right there. They're only a few games back. If they went, if they won out the rest of the season, they still wouldn't probably get the one seed. But hey, you know what? Go for that eighth seed. Oh my God! Well, we all know that they're playing for Ben Simmons there, and you know what I'm you know what I'm hyped for. And I know we'll talk about this uh, on New Year's Eve, but uh, obviously it's the Ben Simmons game. On uh, missed the jump shot, Quarterman with a nice outlet. Simmons on the move, and he missed the dunk. He tried to punch. On New Year's Day, outside of the uh, outside of the uh, big time college bowl games, on New Year's Day we have 76ers and Los Angeles Lakers. It'll probably be the worst game in NBA history. Uh, and that will be on New Year's Day. We'll talk about that more on Christmas. Uh, excuse me, on New Year's Eve uh, for our New Year's Eve show. But Andrew, this was a interesting weekend in the NBA. I mean, we were mentioning this before we got on the air. Um, some interesting things happened. Uh, just, obviously, a lot of whiteboard performances. But when it comes to just topics among the NBA to get to, we've got quite the show. Uh, are you ready to get into it? 
Let's do it, man. All right, all right, all right. We're going to learn today. Andrew and I talked about Christmas Day games on our post-game show between the Pistons and Celtics on Saturday. If you missed that, that would be on. uh, That's the second half of that show, the final 20 minutes. We talk about it uh, on the post-game show there. Um, If you want to find it, go to Apple Music and check out those uh, Boston post-game shows uh, there, the podcast there. It is, uh, I believe it's game 30 for the Boston Celtics as they beat the Pistons 99-93. Uh, we talk about the Christmas Day games there, so if you want to check that out, we talk about that in length there. But quickly as we go uh, into this weekend recap, just want to mention these scores. The Miami Heat on Christmas Day win 94-88 in overtime over the New Orleans Pelicans. Anthony Davis had a wipe away the performance, 29 points, 15 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, and 3 blocks, 59. Kevin Durant in the loss to the Chicago Bulls, 105-96. Had a wipe away the performance of 29 points, 9 rebounds, and 7 assists, a 52. Russell Westbrook, 26 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds, and 6 steals, a 55. Um, and then in the game of the day, Golden State Warriors win 89-83 over the, over the Cleveland Cavaliers, going to 28-1. Draymond Green had a wipe away the performance, 22 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 blocks, a 53 on the wipe away the performance scale. The Spurs didn't play too well. Kind of a weird game for them as they lose 88 to 84 to the Rockets, and then the Clippers destroyed the Lakers, which was not even close to what it was uh, called. Andrew, is there anything you want to mention about Christmas Day, the Christmas Day games again, uh, before we move on to these other games, or are you good to go? Just real quick, an overall disappointing day of basketball. Uh, you know, you had some exciting moments uh, in an overtime game, but it, it did not live up to the billing when you saw it come out at the beginning of the season. You were really excited, but. You know, just kind of a disappointing day. Still nice to be able to sit around with the family and watch basketball, though. Obviously, as we as we mentioned in that post game show for against the Celtics and Pistons, again check it out on your Apple Music. We're gonna put it up on the CLNS app uh, on New Year's Day around that time. It'll be up on the app. We can't put it on now because of the fact that we're a little over our budget right now. But that's okay when it comes to the uh, when it comes to uh, bandwidth and things of that nature. But when it comes to uh, that. Uh, that information of those Christmas Day games, check out that post-game show in the second half where we get more into that top there. Uh, Other games over the weekend. Outside of the five on Christmas Day, it was a 17-game weekend. Uh, Outside of the Friday games and uh, and on Saturday, there were two wipe-away performances. The Washington Wizards get the victory over the Brooklyn Nets, 111-96. The Washington Wizards have been playing a lot better basketball as of late. Uh, They have clearly improved themselves as uh, they have found a way to get uh, to get themselves back into the conversation in the Eastern Conference, John Wall, 22 points, 13 assists, four rebounds, and two blocks, and that one as they get the victory here on the FanDuel Studios in the Hoopers Log again. As I mentioned, the phone number is three two three six four two one five five eight. If you'd like to call in tonight, is a perfect night to jump into FanDuel as there are 11 games on the NBA in the NBA schedule. Feel free to jump into that one and get on it with us and obviously join with the Celtics promo code to get a promo deal there. Um, other games on Saturday, Toronto Raptors get the victory over the Milwaukee Bucks, 111-90. to uh, They're now 19-12, and playing good basketball. The Bucks still, and, and, you, and you've said it, Andrew, this team is not where they need to be in the, in the Milwaukee Bucks, 12-19. Uh, and 19. Clearly, I think the rebuild mode is, is in full effect as of now. I mean, it, it's been in full effect over the last couple of years, but now it's true and true to its form that, look, this team needs to be rebuilding. And I think with the loss of Jason Kidd and his, his, his uh, when that will be, which will need to be coming soon or is already happening. 
you're going to see a team that's going to struggle from here on out without their head coach. And without him and without the ability to play the way they want to play against some better teams in the Eastern Conference, they may struggle more than we anticipate here over the next uh, over the next week or month or so with the loss of Jason Kidd. Uh, Charlotte Hornets get the victory over the Memphis Grizzlies, 98-92. The Grizzlies are kind of turning into that average team that wins like four, loses three. Um, that's going to happen from time to time. And Charlotte still just keeps chugging along 16 and 13 after the weekend, Miami heat get the victory over the Orlando magic. And you mentioned this is okay. So the Orlando magic are a team that, that have played outstanding this season. They're 17 and 13, but this was a game that really brought them back to earth. Look, when you have two superstars, well, I guess you could say fading superstars and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch, Dwayne Wade, less so than Chris Bosch. Chris Bosch is still a superstar, but he's, he's fading. Um, but when you see two guys that are already solidified as champions and know how to win in this league on a consistent basis, that's going to happen against a young team in Orlando, and they're going to win more than not. Miami is now 18-11. and 11. Are they for real? No. But are they a team that can contend in the Eastern Conference and play with some of the better teams in the league? Yeah, yes, they can. Uh, can right now, could they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers? You bet. I mean, if you watch that game on Saturday night, Portland beating the Cavaliers, think about this, people. Portland beat the Cavaliers 105 to 76. I mean that that is without Damian Lillard. That is an anomaly if there is one. And with the way the Miami Heat beat the Orlando Magic on Saturday night, who's not to say right now? Granted, it's it's late December, holiday season. Who, who's to say that Miami couldn't beat them right now? Now, give it two or three months from now when everyone's clicking, when everything's happening. I I don't think I don't think that would be the case. But right now. Yeah, with 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 the with the Cleveland Cavaliers not playing well, a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference might rise to the occasion and get the victory. Uh, the game we I just mentioned about the Boston Celtics beating the Detroit Pistons, ninety nine ninety three, uh, getting their seventeenth victory of the season. Detroit dropping to seventeen and fourteen, still playing great basketball. Andre Drummond got a wipe over the performance, automatically getting twenty two rebounds, getting him in there, twenty two points, twenty two rebounds, two steals, and two blocks. He had played unbelievable in that one, but not quite enough as the Celtics get the victory there. Andrew, going into this day on Saturday, there were some weird games. The Bulls losing to the to the Mavericks. Spurs destroying Denver. Uh, Philly, as we mentioned, getting a victory over Phoenix. The Phoenix situation going on right now, which is just really interesting. Uh, the Clippers look like they are back, getting a victory over the Utah Jazz. Now, again, the Jazz are a little bit damaged with uh, – with a guy and Rudy Gobert still out. The Pelicans getting a victory over the uh, over the Rockets. It was just a weird weekend when it came to Saturday games. Uh, what was your take from Saturday? Obviously, we did our post-game show on that day. But what, what's your take from this weekend and definitely what happened on Saturday? Yeah, and ju- just real quick before I get in depth with that, um, you know, obviously we're in the sure. studios here. On Saturday, I made myself quite a bit of money. Um Somebody we're, we're planning to have on the show tomorrow is, is his name's Dre. He is from Inside the Bets. You can find them on Twitter. Uh, they, you know, they they have FanDuel lineups. Uh, what happens? You know, you you get a lifetime subscription, fifty bucks, and then you know you you enter this group chat. It's actually entertaining as well as fun, and you're going to win a ton of money. He's planning on being on here tomorrow. Uh, we're going to do you know locks. Uh, you know, maybe even a full lineup. So make sure you tune in if you like winning money. Okay, mm-hmm. inside the bets coming on tomorrow, um, and, and you know they're going to try to win everybody some money. Uh, we're going to try to make it a weekly thing. Uh, it's something that we're still in the process of doing, but it's definitely an idea. Um, you know, and I can't find a more perfect thing to do it. You know, inside the FanDuel Studios, something like that with a true pro. 
Um, but but on Saturday, you're right. It's kind of a funky day of basketball. The the the, the Pistons Boston game, you know, like you said, we did the post game show for that. Uh, it was really cool that it was an all Hoopers Log post game show. It was really easy because we're <laughs> so used to working together. Um, that that was an exciting game. The Pistons almost had one of the most unbelievable comebacks I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, but it felt just short. Uh, you know, when it, when it comes to the whole Miami-Cleveland thing, you put these teams in a series, I don't think Miami gets past five games. Uh, Miami is beating people with just straight-up skill right now. Now, they are playing with effort, but their effort's a little bit of the older style of effort, where it's more fundamentals. They have more skill, maybe less fundamentals, and then... Uh, equal or more effort, I will take, you know, the team with equal or more effort. I would be shocked if the Heat got out of five games with the Cavs, you know, even right now. Uh, But the Heat are a good team, top three team in the East probably, but top three team in the East is the same thing as being a two through eight team in the East because you're still not good enough. Um, You you know, Portland playing out of their minds. Me and you were talking before the show. You know, I don't think it's anything where Damian Lillard is, affecting this team negatively. I think it's just this team stepping up in his apps, uh, and, and it's going to help in the long run. It shows these players what they can do without him. Um, you, know, you know, CJ McCollum is all of a sudden turning into one of and I'm not exaggerating here, one of the best shooting guards Absolutely. in the entire league. I mean, there's, there has been not a whole lot. He's, you know, if anybody says anybody's even close, not Steph Curry, okay, in most improved player. Yes. They're crazy because C.J. McCollum went from a bum to damn near a superstar, okay? Yeah. And he he, he hit Russell Westbrook-type numbers last night. You know, he, he steps up when yeah. the team needs him to. And, and people were predicting a most improved player, but they were thinking, what, like 15, 16 points a game at most? Yeah. You, you know, know, a couple, couple rebounds. This guy's averaging 20.5 points, four and a half assists, and four rebounds over a steal. He's playing good defense. Okay, you know, this, this guy's not hes not one-sided. He's not missing anything. He's over 20 points a game is legit. I'm pretty sure he's top 10 in the NBA. Okay, this guy is a top five shooting guard making his way towards that top three. And I know a lot of people don't get a chance to watch him because he plays for Portland. But watch this guy. Watch, just keep your eyes glued to him, and I promise you'll be happy. He likes to move without the ball. He puts in effort. He puts in the work, and, and those numbers aren't just because he's putting in the work. It's because he's just one of the more skilled players in the NBA as well. I love that that small college backcourt over there in Portland. They're really, really growing on me. Coming into the year, I was not a fan. And just watching them play, they are growing on me more than anybody can imagine. I went as far as to call Damian Lillard the most overrated player in the league. Didn't think C.J. McCollum was going to be that great, and boy, have they both proved me wrong. Uh, you know, Milwaukee. Uh, I, you know, I am. I get happy every time I watch this team lose, and it's not because I'm not a huge fan. It's because I predicted 33 wins, and that was something that a lot of people, a lot of people, called me crazy for. And I can't wait to go back at the end uh-huh. of the season when they have exactly 33 wins and, and yeah. show that off. Um, you know, every time we think the Rockets are back, they're not back, and then they're back and not back. It, it did take, you know, 26 points from Eric Gordon uh, for, for the Pelicans to get this win and a game-winning uh, lob for Anthony Davis. So, I mean, the Rockets – and New Orleans is much, much better than their 10-20 record. Don't let that fool right. you. Right. 
but the Rockets still are not that dominant team we saw last year. Um, Indiana versus Minnesota was fun because you got to see Paul George versus Andrew Wiggins, which Paul George yeah. has not been playing on the top of his game whatsoever. He only went for 18 in this game. Uh, his scoring average has fallen over three points since, you know, a couple weeks ago. He's down to 24.8 points per game. He's only shooting 42% from the field, so that's got to pick up. Uh, but, you know, it, it was a quirky, fun, you know, obviously the Ish Smith era is off to a good start as the 76ers have, are tied to the best record in basketball since they got Ish Smith. It is 14 points. Isaiah Kanan, baby. Clearly, right, undefeated. Okay, this is, this is, the 76ers team going to the playoffs. Just get prepared. I mean, oh, uh, Eric Bledsoe, he was a – he, you know, we had him picked uh, on inside the bets. We had him picked. You know, you can't predict injuries. And guess what, guys? They're still they're so good. We still cashed with Eric Bledsoe getting four points, two rebounds, and nothing else. We still cashed. Jeez. Oh, um, so these, these just to show how good these guys are. But uh, you know, I, I it's exciting watching Philadelphia win because each win is going to be so important this year because you know they don't want the worst record of all time. I don't know. I'm not sure if it's 10 wins or 12 wins. Of course, the Bobcats had that eight-win season, but that was in a shortened season. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it was a different, quirky, weird day of basketball. But, you know, you had fun unless you're a Cavs fan. Gosh, Andrew, I was okay. So last night I did this thing, and I don't know if you know this, but I only got like four hours of sleep last night, mostly because I was staying up watching a whole bunch of open court uh, YouTube videos about, you know, Isaiah Thomas and all these guys talking about their favorite teams and whatnot. And there was a preview show that they did back in 2012, the year before LeBron won the championship with the Heat in his second in his second season of uh, winning the title, second championship. And um, And – you mentioned this Philadelphia team, and that was the year that they were. That was the year they were bringing in Andrew Bynum, and they were talking about Andrew Bynum being the next big thing for that team. And obviously, we know how that ended up. He turned into a big time choke job. But they were mentioning the roster, just kind of going through it, you know, quickly. They were saying, you know, oh, I don't know if this team's going to be so good as to as if they can lean on a guy like uh, Drew Holiday. Or uh, or Thaddeus Young, and I sat there, and the moment I heard those two names, I was just like, oh, my God, those two guys are playing great basketball nowadays, and they let them go. Like, I mean, I know we've mentioned this team multiple times and their fact of letting players go and, and kind of trying to rebuild constantly, but this team needs to just hold on to what they have. You know, they really do. They need, And I know they don't have a bunch of great talent outside of maybe a Jaleel Okafor and a couple of other players, but they, they need to stop getting rid of these good players. Thaddeus Young is one of the better players in the NBA at the, at the four position, and obviously Drew yep. Holiday is a guy coming off the bench quality now, but he's still a solid player when he comes in, and they let go of a ton of – I mean, obviously Michael Carter-Williams is no joke, one of the worst trades ever they ever made, but there's a lot of deals they've made over these last three or four years that have just just – completely hindered the growth of this team. Obviously, the Andrew Bynum uh, pickup doesn't help, but there's other situations where they've traded players that have just completely killed the chances of being successful in this league. And it's strange to say, but they would have been a much better team coming into this year if they would have just kept some of those guys. Sometimes the best move you can make are the ones that don't happen at all. And the Philadelphia 76ers, unfortunately, have shot themselves in the foot more than not. Going back to these Saturday well, games, Dallas, Dallas beating the Chicago Bulls, this Bulls team, and I'm going to say it right now, as of and I, and I said this about the Rockets about two weeks ago. I'm going to say this about the Bulls now. 
The Bulls have no chance of winning the title, people. This is what I see happening with the Chicago Bulls coming in over over the next uh, six months going into summer of 2016. This is what's going to happen. Derrick Rose is already worried about going into even before the season started. Derrick Rose is already worried about his contract coming up in the next couple of years or year. Uh, he's going to be moved. He's not going to stay on this team. And if he does stay on this team, this team is going to have a lot of problems. Um, first of all, I believe he held, he led the team in scoring on Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. He had 25 points, and they lost. And the guy shot 12, 12 of 20 from the field. Not a bad scoring night. But again, and you've mentioned this before, and I 100% agree with you now after watching how this team has been playing, especially on Christmas Day. Even though they won on Christmas Day, it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. Derrick Rose having the keys to the car does not work for this team. It doesn't. Jimmy Butler is the best player on that basketball squad. Jimmy Butler is going to be on the Bulls for years to come. He's going to be the centerpiece, and I, and I agree with them keeping him. But Pau Gasol is getting old. Guy is still fundamentally sound, but he's not the player that's going to get them over the top when it comes to winning in the Eastern Conference. Derrick Rose is just not the guy to work anymore there. He just doesn't work there with that team anymore. He's not the Derrick Rose from 2010-2011. He's the Derrick Rose uh, that is just that is that is moving on and changing in his career. He's not going to work for that team, and he and he's going to be moved. Obviously, as we know, the whole situation with Joe Kim Noah, he's going to be moved. Uh, Taj Gibson's been talking about moving for a while. Um, Nikola Meritic is going to stay, but outside of Nikola Meritic and, and Jimmy Butler, this is a moving parts team. I could see this team having a bunch of their players. They, they, this could be a team we look back on uh, two, three years from now when these guys move away because I. I have a feeling that Pau Gasol is going to leave this team. I have a weird feeling. I have a weird feeling that Derrick Rose is going to leave this team. I have just a weird feeling this team is going to implode from the inside out when it comes to their players. And Joe Kim Noah is going to go to a team where his skill set fits perfectly, where it becomes where he's not going to be great, but he's going to fit perfectly when it comes to off the bench. Derrick Rose is going to go to a team where his skill set works perfectly. I have a weird feeling that this team, looking back two, three years from when this, when this implosion happens, that people are going to look back and say, how did they not win a title? How did this not happen? How did it not work? Well, then you can explain, and then what people will say is, well, look, Derrick Rose was injured for three years. Paul Gasol was past his prime, but he wasn't being utilized the way he should be. Uh, Jimmy Butler wasn't handed the keys to the car like he should have been. Uh, Taj Gibson was completely undervalued. Granted, he plays a lot, but he doesn't. There's just a lot of weird things that go on with this team that, that shouldn't be happening. Doug McDermott does not play as much as he should. Um, Aaron Brooks is a guy that that clearly should play more minutes than Derrick Rose at points in time. It's just it's a weird feel there in in Chicago, and it, they do not have the feel of a team that's consistently ready to compete in the Eastern Conference. And you're seeing it right now as they're now fading to the bottom portion of the Eastern Conference. I'm, I'm just I'm saying it today. They're going to break up eventually, and people are going to look at them and say, "How did they not do it? How did they not win?" They're they're such a just just messed up mess there in Chicago. What's your take on the Chicago team? Yeah, and, and just to further your point about how bad Derrick Rose has been, at, at many times this year I have called Kobe Bryant the worst player in the league. Um, now, if you want to compare his numbers to Derrick Rose, he's averaging three three more points, uh, 3% lower shooting. Derrick Rose is only shooting 38%. One less assist, Derrick Rose has 5.2. Kobe's at something like 4.1. And Kobe is averaging more yeah. rebounds, more steals, and more blocks. Derrick Rose is in the bottom five starters in the entire NBA this year. Don't yeah. think I'm exaggerating. Don't think you know I, I'm wrong. I'm not wrong. This is this is 
maybe not fact, it's opinion, but he has been absolutely god-awful, okay? And, and you know, yeah. I, I see these Chicago Bulls fans who uh, I think I may have changed the worst top five worst fans in the NBA as far as just knowledge goes, that I see them. Derrick Rose went out, he scored 31 points on 32 shots. And then I see Chicago Bulls fans in comment sections everywhere saying, it's still Derrick Rose's team. Like, he lost the team. It was the four-overtime game. He lost that game for the Bulls. He yeah. even had it won yep. if he didn't make stupid decisions over and over, but take bad shots over and over, miss open shots over and over. Um, he, he takes jumpers that he's no good at. Uh, and, and it's not like this guy is uh, Kobe Bryant or LeBron James, where even if he's on this cold stretch, he should be taking them. He was. He's not anymore. He should not have that trust. And I think partially that goes on Fred Hoiberg. Uh, Fred Hoiberg needs to take it over and say, guess what, Jimmy Butler is our guy. Against Dallas, Derrick Rose went 12 for 20, which is a good game for him, very good. But Jimmy Butler only shot it 11 times. Hit 25 points on 20 shots is a way worse ratio than 17 points on 11 shots. Uh, Essentially, Jimmy Butler was on pace for over 32 points if he took 20 shots. Uh, you know, Jimmy Butler got to the line eight times. Uh, Jimmy Butler yeah. also went out and got eight assists, four rebounds. Okay, so this is a guy who needs the ball in his hands, who needs to be taking those 20 shots instead of those 11. Flip the roll. Derrick Rose still commands the ball, which is understandable. He's that kind of player. But this guy can't even dunk anymore, guys. He has two less dunks yeah. than Kobe Bryant. And guess how many dunks Kobe Bryant has? Two. Okay, three. so – or three. <laughs> you know – Either way, but it's just it's unbelievable how people are still on this bandwagon who are still hoping Derrick Rose is going to come around because he's not. The guy can't jump up to a 10-foot rim, and 90% of who he was was his freakish athleticism. The only thing he has in his offensive game right now is a little, you know, he's going to dribble, he's going to, you know, probe the defense, and then he's going to shoot a floater that probably is going to rim out. That's all he has in his game right now. Uh, it, it hasn't changed in the last year, year and a half. Jimmy Butler's team, but but Chicago's going to screw themselves. Maybe so bad that they fall out of a playoff spot this year. Because this team hasn't been good. It wouldn't Pogasol, like you said, is old. Uh, as far as Derrick Rose leaving, I don't think he would leave. I think they might get rid of him. Uh, you know, the, he's not going to leave a place where he can miss over 200 games, come back, still be the number one option, average 14 points, still be the number one option, shoot 38%, still be the number one option. Nowhere else besides his hometown Chicago Bulls is that going to happen. And, you know, you you run into the problem of just is it ever going to stop? And, I you know, I don't think so. I would not be shocked if Chicago was in max contracts Derrick Rose after this year. It's yeah, it's a really weird situation there in uh, in in Chicago right now, and it's really sad because a year ago we were talking about how Tom Thibodeau was kind of having some issues with this team as well, and now it's starting to look like maybe it's not the coaches that are the problem, maybe it's the players, and it's not Jimmy Butler per se, but more of just the the, the ins and outs of that team are just turning into more and more of a uh, of a dramatic uh, issue than than not. I mean, Joe Kim Noah used to be a full fledged vocal vocal. Uh, you know, boisterous guy on that team, he has completely disappeared. And it's not from the standpoint of him even being a presence on the court. He has just completely disappeared with his uh, with his personality. Something's going on with that team that is not spinning right over these last couple of seasons, and, and it's finally come to fruition that maybe they just need to implode. 
and disappear. Uh, you mentioned go-to guys and guys that need to – that are that – are, Going through, you talk, you talk about Derrick Rose being injured. Now look at a guy on Eric Bledsoe on the Suns. First of all, Eric Bledsoe is going to be out until about the All Star break with his uh, with his left uh, left knee meniscus or whatever he's got. He got an injury going on, and that Suns team and that situation with Jeff Hornacek. I want you to kind of expand on that, especially after they lost to Philadelphia this past weekend, one eleven to one hundred four on Saturday. Uh, what, what's the situation there in Phoenix with what's going on? Yeah, Phoenix has kind of taken this uh, this NFL approach where they're not quite ready to fire their head coach, who is five and fifteen in his last twenty games, um, and they're going to go and fire the assistants. Now, this is it, it's strange because normally in basketball, and, and me and you were talking about this pre-show, uh, you know, the assistants are aren't, aren't as important. Uh, they're there to try to be on a team that ends up winning so they can be looked at for a uh, for a head coaching position or even a promotion. And I, I don't want to undermine it. These guys are still unbelievably important. You know, they get probably the least credit out of all the assistant coaches. Um, but but just as far as, as firing them without firing the head coach, that's not normally how it works in basketball. But that's the approach the Suns are going to take. Uh, they fired either two or three of his assistants. Um, he's still there. Now, the fear is that he's lost control of the locker room. Uh, Chris Broussard uh, is reporting that that's kind of what the front office is thinking because this team's played so poorly. Brandon Knight's been on a cold stretch. Eric Bledsoe obviously is now out until more than likely after the All-Star break. Um, You know, losing to Philadelphia has got to be one of the worst feelings. I'm surprised they even let him, you know, back with the team after that. Uh, and, and not only right. that, they lost to Philadelphia at home. Okay, so uh, yeah, the, they're going the route of firing the assistants, which, like I said, I think is just strange. Um, I also think it's silly. I think it's just going to create a whole problem in the locker room. You know, some players get really close with their assistants. Like if Cleveland went out and fired Tyron Lue, that would create a whole problem because a lot of players even look at him as highly as they look at the head coach. So, you know, we, we right. don't want to undervalue these guys, but you don't want to overvalue them and say, okay, now we're going to flip the team around by bringing these new assistants in who are really just going to be water boys to Jeff Hornacek because, you know, he's he's more than likely been working with these assistants his whole life. Uh, wh- wherever he coached before, he they were probably with him. Uh, and, and it's just it, it's weird, it's uncomfortable, and I give it about a 0.1% chance to work out. Yeah, it's it's a very difficult, uh, sticky situation there in Phoenix. I've been seeing rumors about that situation and what Jeff Hornacek's been having to deal with and just the team in general and, and obviously now the Eric Bledsoe injury. It's weird going on in Phoenix right now. And, and what's interesting, too, is people have thought this team was going to be successful just because they, they acquired Brandon Knight uh, when it came to his contract and they also acquired Tyson Chandler. Look, people, Tyson Chandler is just a guy – who is basically a poor man to DeAndre Jordan at this point in time of his career. He's just a guy who's going to come in, get your rebounds uh, from time to time, maybe have you a 10, 15 rebound game. He's not going to do anything over the top extraordinary at this point in time of his career, but he will get you some rebounds and he will give you some time on the defensive side of the floor. That's about it. Uh, outside of that, him doing anything more is, is over the top exaggerated uh, thought process. Um, but outside of that, it's a two guard system that's been proven not to work there in Phoenix and outside of that, I mean, they're an average team at best. And we said that coming into the season, them being now 12 and 20, 
isn't a shock. It's not. I don't think anyone expected anything less from this team to have a potential of winning 35, 40 games this year. I mean, that's really what we all expected them to do, and they're on pace to do it. So for them to think that, look, Jeff Hornacek lost the team or the fact that the, the assistants aren't working, it, that's not the case. You just don't have the talent there in Phoenix. And for them to think that, oh, it's the coaches or it's the this, it's the that, no, no, no. You have two point guards running your your show there in Phoenix. It's going to be either Brandon Knight's show one night. It's going to be Derek Bledsoe's show one night. Well, now it's Brandon Knight's show for the next month and a half. And, you know, obviously if he can't put it together, which we've proven he can, but if he can't put it together on a consistent basis, you're just looking at the situation you created yourself for. And that's not necessarily Jeff Hornacek or the assistants. That's just the fact that you don't have the talent there in Phoenix. One team that I mentioned in the offseason that I said would, quote-unquote, win the NBA title, you know where I'm going with this, they proved last this last weekend that I think they're back. They're one of the four teams now back in the Western Conference that I think will win, have a chance of winning the NBA title, and that's the L.A. Clippers. Look, if you would have told me that the top three leading scorers on this team wouldn't have been uh, – two of them wouldn't have been named Jamal Crawford or Blake Griffin. Granted, Blake Griffin's been injured. Uh, and, and I would have told you it would have been Paul Pierce with 20 points, shooting 6 of 11 from the field, Chris Paul, 19 points, 11 assists, and J.J. Redick with 25 points. Uh, you would have told me I was crazy. When, when this is the, this is what I think we wanted, to, we expected from the Clippers all season long, and now they're finally slowly. No, that's not the, that's not to say that their chemistry issues aren't aren't solved, but who's to say that they're finally figuring it out on what they want to do? Look, when Paul Pierce can come off the bench from time to time and give you 27 minutes and score you uh, 11, uh, get you 11 shots up and make six of them, and then uh, make five of them from three and get you some free throw line points and get you 20 points there. J.J. Reddick with 25. Jamal Crawford only went one for 10 from the field. That's all Jamal Crawford does is shoot. He doesn't really do much else, and he did not play well on Saturday night, and they still found a way to get a victory over a, you know, granted injured uh, Utah Jazz team, but so are the Clippers. They don't have Blake Griffin. They're losing a big-time player, and yet this is what they did last year. The Clippers did this exact same thing last year. People forget quickly because of the fact that it was just it was the Clippers were playing so good without him that they forget. But Blake Griffin was out for a solid two, three-week period around the same time this year, and what happened? DeAndre Jordan and Chris Paul played outstanding basketball, and other guys around them stepped up. Maybe there's more of an issue on the court with Blake Griffin than we think. Maybe he's not quite the piece that they necessarily need there in L.A., and if they keep playing this way and playing well without Blake Griffin, who's to say that Blake Griffin won't be on the, on the, in the conversation for being a moving piece there for the L.A. Clippers. What's your take on this Clipper team as of late, and what do you think about the Blake Griffin situation there with him on the court and how he's, quote-unquote, probably not the best piece there for the Clippers anymore? Uh, I think it's going to end up helping them. Maybe not in the standings at the end of the year, but when it comes playoff time, DeAndre Jordan had to play that number two option uh, for, you know, even if it's just two weeks, that's going to help his comfortability a lot. Now, the problem I hope you don't run into is what if this guy starts doing what he did last year when I believe it was Chris Paul got injured and started putting up 20, 20 games every night and showing he can be a threat on offense. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's going to be really interesting because losing in the West is going to not – you know, they're not going to miss out in the West. The bottom seeds in the West are below 500. This team is not going to finish below 500. But I think it helps get the flow for everybody else. And when Blake Griffin comes back, I fully expect him to be fine. Um, now, something I noticed, and it's very frustrating, is I get this guy can shoot now, but he's got to stop shooting so damn much. 
because he is right, uh, right. he's killing this team when he starts going cold from mid range and he's not even thinking about attacking the basket. Um, but you know, I I don't think anything about you know he's not a good fit for this team anymore. This guy's still a top five, top three, top one, maybe power forward in the NBA. Um, who's only getting better with age, and, and it, it, he's still got a few years. He's still got what? He's only what twenty six, twenty seven years old at at the oldest. Yeah. So he he's still got you know five, six years left of greatness before the decline even starts. Maybe a little bit less than that. But you know this is something that you you got to hope you got one of the better coaches in the NBA to get you through something like this. He's going to motivate them, and motivation can last for two weeks. So. I think you're going to see this Clipper team really step up, play great without Blake Griffin. Yeah, I, I, I think they'll play well too. I, I just I've seen a different I've seen a different uh, way of approaching the game that I haven't seen them have in, in since the beginning of the season. Well, since there was a certain point in time back in November, they had a different approach, and now they're coming back to with an approach of look, we're trying to win every day. We're trying to come out and grind. We're trying to just win games. We're not trying to win with finesse or dominate teams. We're just trying to come out and win, and, and that's the kind of mentality. If they can hold that kind of mentality heading into March, like they did last year or coming into March of 2015, you know, that is where they they started dominating. People started talking, maybe they're a championship contender. And if they get back to that form sometime in January and definitely coming into February and March, heading down the stretch of the regular season, it'll be the same conversation. Can this team get over the hump? Can they win in the playoffs? Can they do this? And all the people, all the skeptics are going to say, oh, they can never get out of the first round, or never get out of the second round. They can never get to the Western Conference Finals. Look, if they just play the way we know they can with the talent that they have and they just come out really and they just show up and play fundamental basketball, they're one of the harder teams to beat because they have so much depth and talent. And, yes, they have chemistry problems. They have some chemistry issues coming off the bench. They have chemistry problems with some of these players. But when it comes to their ability to compete against many teams individually and at certain portions of the floor and on certain times of the, you know, certain times of the game, they dominate with matchups. They just do. And that's where the playoffs become so valuable. It's one of those things where like when you play in the regular season the matchups won't matter as much. But then come postseason time, matchups are everything. They are everything because that's where games are changed. Late late in the game, if you have Blake Griffin on a smaller guy, it's over. Blake Griffin's gonna win. If you have DeAndre Jordan on a small guy, just a just a small, not not a not a center, but like a small, you know, guard or something, it's over. You have you have Chris Paul on a on a weaker a point guard, it's over. That's when matchups become dominant, and if this Clipper team's keep playing the way they're playing and they just get into the postseason with a good seed, that's when it becomes scary. And, and they've proven it, and they almost did it last year. Granted, they lost the, the Rockets, as we've mentioned before, but they can still find a way to get done. Mentioning these, the rest of these games over the weekend that we forgot to mention on Sunday, Memphis gets the victory over the Lakers, 112-96. Not a shocker there. Memphis now 17-16. and The Lakers 5-26 and heading into this week. Uh, the Boston Celtics, they've now won four in a row, Boston. I mentioned this in the post-game show. If you want to go back and listen to it from our, our Pistons and Celtics game, they have a schedule that's laid out very easily for them over these next couple of weeks. And the Celtics team has now won four in a row, beating the Knicks 191 on on, on Sunday. I'm telling you, this, this Celtics team can get on a run, and they can find themselves nearing the middle pack of the Eastern Conference with, within the next couple of weeks. I can guarantee you that. Uh a concerning game, but a win. A win, but a concerning win for me in the Oklahoma City-Denver Nuggets game. And this has been talked about in many stretches uh, throughout either TNT, NBA TV, which, by the way, Andrew, I don't know if you know, but my parents upgraded – well, I wouldn't say upgraded, but they moved to Dish TV. 
And now they have all the packages, and now I can watch NBA TV. So finally, I can record games and watch NBA TV ball games. So thank God. Um, but uh, the, the point is, is this Oklahoma City team is – and it's becoming more and more evident, and this game was a clear indication. It's a two-man show. This is not – this team is not finding ways to utilize the rest of their ball club the way we, we expected them to. Look, we, we made the point, look, uh, Augustine – Cantor, Waiters, uh, Collison off the bench, Payne, Morrow. These guys are all solid, really good off-the-bench basketball players in the NBA. The problem is when Enos Cantor is your main scorer off the bench with 21 and Deion Waiters is four, Augustine zero, Collison zero. Collison and Augustine really aren't known for scoring, but they're known for more than that. When they're not really involved and they play a combined 19 minutes and and, uh, granted Payne is a very young point guard, but but Stephen Adams, two points. Abaka, 19. Okay, Abaka had played a little bit, but really, Russell Westbrook had a wiper-worthy performance again. Kevin Durant had a wiper-worthy performance. This, this team combined had 27 assists in this game, and more than half, 22 of those 27 assists were from Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. Look, I understand they're sharing the ball. I understand they're getting their stats up and they're trying to improve stuff. But I'm starting to see an indication from more than Kevin Durant than I am Russell Westbrook, because Westbrook's going to do what he always does. This is how Russell Westbrook plays. 30 points, 12 assists, 9 rebounds, 63 on the weapon with a performance scale, an unbelievable game. But Kevin Durant is turning into a guy who's really relying more on his stats than he is on winning. And now his stats will come with the winning. When he has good games, it's going to more than likely result in a win. But from what I've been seeing from him, he's more looking to boost his stats to boost his going into the off season now, than he and I think he than I think he ever has before, and that's no knock on him because he's an unbelievable player. He's a top two, top three player in the NBA when healthy. But more than ever, I, I'm watching this guy play, and when I do, I look at his stat line, and it doesn't spell winning; it spells boosting his 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 marketability, which is fascinating because I always thought he was a guy who was who was down to win, and he still is. But when it comes to his, his stat line, uh, 26 points, 10 assists, 5 rebounds, 51 on the whiteboard, the performance scale, not, not a bad game at all. It doesn't spell a winning Kevin Durant. 11 to 21 from the field. That's not bad. I mean, that's still good. But it's just, it's different. It's a different Kevin Durant, and it's a different Russell Westbrook. They're not, they're not including the, the other players on the team as much as they should. And there's, a point, there's been points made on the NBA TNT show where they said, look, when you play with great players, the game should come easier. The only guys on this yep. team outside of Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant that have been playing well are Enos Cantor and, and Serge Ibaka, and the only reason is because they're big men. They combined for 40 points in this game against the Nuggets, where Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant combined for 56. 44 plus 56, Andrew, is 110 points. Uh, actually, excuse me, yeah. Uh, no, that's, that, is, that is 100 points. The other 22 points came from Deion Waiters, four. Steven Adams, two. On Robertson, 10 points. Uh, and then you get six from Curtis Payne. You're, you're, you're looking at a team where they really are just relying on two guys now. And it's becoming more and more evident that maybe Kevin Durant is turning into the, let's just get through this season and go into the offseason ready to move out of here or ready to make the giant deal that he wants to make. Because this doesn't look like a team that's really – 
wanting to win a title. And granted, it's December. It's still late in December. And who knows? In two, two months, they could turn it all around, and they could turn into an all-around team again. But as of right now, this formula of winning is not conducive to winning in the long term. What's your take on this team? No, yeah, it's not. It hasn't been since James Harden left, weirdly enough. Um, And you know what? It got Scott Brooks fired. It's going to end up getting Billy Donovan fired because – and I don't think it's that they don't want to win. I just don't think they're good winners. Uh, And and as a LeBron fan, trust me, I hate to hear that because I think it's nonsense most of the time. Um, You know, somebody like LeBron's a good winner. Somebody like Charles Barkley, who never won a championship, was a good winner. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't, it, it just being a good winner doesn't mean you're going to win because, right. you know, you, you, you know, these guys aren't good winners based on the fact of they're going to get their numbers no matter what you see. If Charles Barkley had a chance to win a championship, he would happily say, okay, give me 10 points a game. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron James would happily, happily Same thing. say, give me 10 points right. a game. Okay. Right. They would, they would love a hundred times more to be able to, you know, get 30 points, 10 assists in that game. But it, it's all about the rings. These guys, if they were going to win a championship and you said, yeah, you're going to get 10 points and play 20 minutes, they'd say, let me on a different team. And I think it's that way with a ton of players. I think it's that way with James Harden. I think it's that way with Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook. Most of these newer guys, and, and it's because, you know, this the the deals you can get. Kevin Durant just signed a $300 million shoe deal about a year ago. LeBron James just signed a lifetime shoe deal. We still don't know the figure for it, but I'm sure it's around a billion dollars. I mean, this is this is marketability is no joke. Trust me. Somebody said you can have six championships and sign a $50 million shoe deal on top of your contract, or you can have zero championships and sign a $300 million shoe deal. I am one of the most competitive people you'll ever meet. Give me the $300 million. I mean, come on, man. It, it, this isn't like petty money. This isn't like, all right, well, here's a thousand dollars. This is, you know, and I'm not exaggerating here. A, a title and no title, or numbers and no numbers, can be the difference between a hundred million dollars in a guy's lifetime. The, especially the numbers. I, I mean, the, the, the marketability is the number one important thing that 90% of these players. It, it always has been. And even more so now, it always will be. You know, you run into that rare case of somebody like David West, which is, I mean, beyond rare. He he dropped over $10 million to try to win a championship. I don't think he exactly knew what he was doing when he did it, but he, he sure did. And and now, but, I mean, that, that's, the, that's the first time the NBA has ever seen anything like that. Ten, over $10 million? Uh, so, like, this is these are two players who are going to get theirs. They want to win, but you know if they want to win titles, I don't believe they can stay on the same team together. Yeah, and, and at the same time, I think I think with this formula of really generating everything through two players. I mean, like I said, twenty-seven assists last night, and twenty-two of those were through two guys. You're not winning ball games when you generate two when you're generating assists from two different players. That's not that's not how it works. Look at the Spurs. They generate multiple guys who get like three or four assists a game. Multiple. They don't get, you know, Tony Parker will have a game here and there, will have nine assists. You'll have a guy and you know, you'll always have from time to time guys who average, you know, ten, fifteen Chris Paul, guys like that. You'll have guys who average a ton of assists, and that's not that's not that that won't be a winning formula. But when you generally have most of your uh, your your offense generated through two guys, think about that: twenty-two assists 
is is on is going to be on average at the minimum 44 points. That's 44 points. They combined for 56. Again, they combined. They're, they they generated 100 points between the both of them combined, and and that's and and they won because they played the Nuggets. If they didn't play the Nuggets, there's no way they win that game with that kind of uh, stat line against a good team. They don't because you're not. What's going to happen? Russell Westbrook's going to go out. He's going to get double teamed, and then Kevin Durant's going to be by himself. Okay, then then Kevin Durant's going to get double teamed, and then Russell Westbrook. It's going to go back and forth. And no one else is going to be involved. It, it turns into this this stagnant type of uh, offensive game that, as we've seen from this team over the past couple of years, ever since, like you said, they lost James Harden, they really haven't found the, the the winning formula to get back to the NBA Finals because they don't have that one extra guy, and they're not trying to even implement one extra guy. It's it's just two guys running the show, and that's not going to get it done in the NBA. It's been proven not to happen. Look at the Miami Heat. I know people talk about, oh, super teams and blah, blah, blah. But look at the Miami Heat. All I got to say, this is all I got to say to really, to really end this, 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 this debate, or not debate, but just, just conversation. Chris Bosh, Game 7, 2013 NBA Finals. How many points did he have? Zero. Zero. Dude is still a superstar. Dude is still a superstar, and he had zero points. He sacrificed the betterment of his points for the team. Because he knew that if even if he didn't have a point, even if he wasn't an option on the floor, he could utilize his game in other ways. I don't think Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook now, I think Russell Westbrook knows how to utilize his game outside of scoring. He's proven it. He's proven to have 20-plus assist nights. He's proven to have a lot of steals. He's proven to play a defensive-only game. And I think Kevin Durant's another guy who's proven to do the same thing. The problem is, is when they come out with one mentality, their only mentality is to put the ball in the hole. And there's times to do that, but there's other times to sacrifice that and let other guys get involved. They have the talent on this team to get other guys involved. They do. They have it. They're just not letting it happen for some reason or the other, and I think it's because of marketability, and there's nothing wrong with that. Again, if you want to get your money, get your money. This is America. I'm not denying the fact that you want to go out and do that. But if you want to ultimately win a title, which these guys consistently say they want to do, you're not helping your team doing that by consistently going out and, and saying, I got to do, I got to do, you know, I got to go out and score 25 every night just to keep our team in it. They don't have to. They have the talent around them to play better. Um, okay, going into one final game for Sunday real quick. Uh, obviously, performance of the night, C.J. McCollum in a victory over the Portland Trailblazers, victory over the Sacramento Kings, 98-94. Uh, 68 in the whiteboard, the performance scale, 35 points, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, 4 steals. We mentioned it earlier. C.J. McCollum is a guy where if he doesn't even get considered for most improved player of the year, the NBA has no idea what it's talking about. This guy has come from literally nothing, playing at Lehigh College, to now he's one of the better players in the NBA. He's kind of the, he's basically the Jimmy Butler last year. He really is. And that's saying a lot because Jimmy Butler is definitely a top three top five shooting guard in the NBA. C.J. McCollum is starting to sneak into that conversation as being one of the top players. Rajon Rondo, again, 15 assists, another whiteboard performance because of the 15 assists, but DeMarcus Cousins had an outstanding performance. 36 points, six rebounds. If he had more rebounds, he would have easily been in as a whiteboard performance, but not quite there. Portland gets the victory. They're now 13-20. and 20. Sacramento drops to 12 and 18. We got quite a bit of games on the docket tonight, 11 games. Andrew, let's fly through them real quick before we get out of here. Um, I think the game of the night, in my opinion, Atlanta, they've won six in a row. Um, they're now 20-12. and 12. They're the first, first team in the Eastern Conference with 20 victories. Um, looking at quickly at this Eastern Conference standings, it's crazy. Cleveland is 19-9. Atlanta is one game back in the, in the, in the loss column at 20-12. and 12. 
Um, Miami again third place. Toronto's nineteen and twelve. Uh, Indiana's have hovering around the fifth spot. Boston again has won four in a row. Um, and Washington is sneaking up. They're fourteen and fourteen. They're nowhere near where Chicago, Orlando, Charlotte, and Detroit are. But they're sneaking back up into conversation uh, form. Uh, this Eastern Conference is coming up, and tonight in that one uh, in the Eastern Conference with the Atlanta Hawks and the Indiana Pacers, that's going to be a good one there. Lakers play the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Lakers are going to get destroyed in that one. I don't think there's another chance that Orlando and New Orleans, that's going to be a fun one because of Nikola Vucevic and Anthony Davis. Uh, both teams, are just they, they, they play a very fun brand of basketball. Clippers in Washington, that's another fun one to watch. Chris Paul and John Wall is always a fun one to watch there. Miami Heat in Brooklyn, expect Miami to win that one. Toronto and Chicago, if Chicago keep playing the way they're playing, Toronto will get it done. Dallas and Milwaukee, Dallas has been playing good. They're going to beat Milwaukee in that one. San Antonio and Minnesota, uh, take San Antonio all day. Cleveland should bounce back against the debacle in Phoenix right now, especially if Kyrie Irving, oh, I heard Kyrie Irving's not playing um, but in a back-to-back, but it doesn't matter. Kyrie Irving will be, will be back, probably playing in that one, probably have a good game. They should get the victory in that one and go to 20-9. and nine. Philadelphia and Utah. Now, I haven't said this all year, and this will probably be the first time I say it, but Philadelphia can come out and win this game tonight. And that's no knock on the Jazz, but when you don't have Rudy Gobert down there, there's nothing that can really stop Nerlens Noel or Jaleel Okafor. So Philadelphia has a chance to win tonight in Utah. Will they? I don't think so, no. But can they? Yeah, they can. They definitely can tonight, and tonight is a chance to get win number three for them. And then obviously I think the game that everyone's going to be tuning into to see how far this team can keep going is Golden State and Sacramento. I think Golden State gets the victory, but it should be a fun one there. Andrew, what's your what's your take on tonight's games? Yeah, Philadelphia is about to start 2-0 in the Ish Smith era because they're getting ready for that playoff <laughs> run, like I've said. Um, you know, you got a lot of stinkers tonight, like Miami against Brooklyn, uh, Dallas against Milwaukee I don't think is going to be too fun. Uh, I, I'm really excited for San Antonio against Minnesota. you got what I think is a rivalry in the making, Kawhi Leonard versus Andrew Wiggins. Uh, you know, you never really want to watch the Lakers unless you're, you know, just ready to watch Kobe these last 50 times, whatever it may be. Um, Clippers, Washington should be fun. Uh, game of the night, I think, and it's because it's on national TV. Otherwise, not at all. It's Toronto versus Chicago. Chicago loves playing on national TV. I don't even know if NBA TV is considered national TV, but in my mind it is. Right. Um, you know, we're having, just real quick, we are having Dre on tomorrow. Um, it'll probably be somewhere towards the middle of the show. At Inside the Bets, I believe, is the exact handle. Um, he, he's going to be coming on giving a few different things for FanDuel. Guy, go, guys, go sign up. You'll be right in the group chat with us. Um, we we got Kirby. Let's see. We just got a message from Chad, Brandon. We got a whole bunch of people in here. We just got Kim Rose who signed up. Uh, I'm going to get Chris to sign up because I know Chris likes money. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to definitely <laughs> talk him into it. But uh, go sign up. Be, be in the group chat. Uh, we can talk some basketball. We can talk some FanDuel. Um, and, and like I said, he'll be on tomorrow. So that's that's going to be fun. Yeah, it should be a good time. We'll definitely have him on. I wanted to hit upon college basketball real quick before we get out of here. No games really on tonight worth mentioning. Uh, but over the weekend, there was one big rivalry game, and that was Louisville and Kentucky. Kentucky getting the victory 75-73 over Louisville in Lexington. Uh, number 12, Kentucky getting the victory over number 16, Louisville. Obviously a heated rivalry. Uh, I, I, my family is from is about 15 minutes. They're about 15 minutes south of the Louisville campus. 
Um, so that is a big-time conversation piece for them out there. Um, and Kentucky getting the victory, not shockingly there, but a close one, 75-73. Conference play doesn't really kick off until New Year's Day. I just looked at the schedule. Um, probably New Year's Eve, actually, more than likely. Um, that's really when we'll start to really start talking about it. Probably New Year's Eve uh, will really kind of get more into college basketball. Uh, but for now, the new rankings just came out, I believe, within the last couple of minutes. Michigan State is still ranked number one, Kansas number two. I think these are still the same rankings, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, probably not, but either way, the point is is the rankings are out in college basketball. Go check them out. Uh, starting next week, uh, a week from today, we will definitely talk more college basketball as time moves forward. This is the time of year where college basketball starts to come on your television screen more often than not. I'm excited for the college basketball season. The NBA is jam-packed tonight. Andrew, we've had an unbelievable show today. Episode 38 is in the books. Is there anything else you want to say, Andrew, before we get out of here, before we go? One, one thing I want to say, though, before we go, players of the week, who you got? And is there anything else you want to say, Andrew? Fire away. Player of the week in the Eastern Conference. Are we talking last week or our predictions for this coming week? This the ones the ones that the ones that they're going to announce today because they're going to announce the players of the week today. Who do you got in the Western and Eastern? Oh man, you know I'm going to go bias and I'm going to say Andre Drummond gets his third. He I believe he had two twenty twenty games in this last week. Yeah. Uh, in the Western Conference, oh, I, I just wild guess James Harden been putting up some fun numbers. You know what I'm going to say, and I, and I think this is just kind of a far fetched one to say, but it, it makes sense. It's going to either be between C.J. McCollum and Kevin Durant. Oh, it's going yeah. to be one of the two because Kevin Durant has been putting up unbelievable numbers. As I mentioned, more more numbers driven than not. But C.J. McCollum, how can you not give it to the guy? Look, if you would have told me 35, 11 rebounds, 9 assists, and 4 steals, I would have instantly said Russell Westbrook. That's what I would have said. That. <laughs> but no, that's C.J. That's C.J. McCollum. Like, that is crazy numbers right there um, for that. And so uh, th- th- that's what I think in the Western Conference. Eastern Conference, look, I'm going to say John Wall until the Cows come home. This guy, again, has been having unbelievable performances, and they've won four in a row this past week for the Washington Wizards. I also saw a show on NBA for YouTube yesterday about how John Wall needs to be player of the week this week just based upon the fact that they've won four in a row, and he's been the leading contributor on that team. Well, Andrew, we've got about a minute left in the show. Um, Again, episode 38 is in the books, uh, and episode 39 tomorrow. Same time. We were here on early today. We were on today because I have to go to work early today. Um, One p.m. Eastern Time. We will be on 1 p.m. Eastern Time again live tomorrow. You can always catch us. Sorry about that. You can always catch us on the Apple Podcast um, to check out the Hooper's Log. Just go to the the Apple Podcast app and click into the Hooper's Log and you'll find us and you'll find this new episode. You'll find our newer episodes every day. We do daily shows here and we talk about the FanDuel too. Yes, tomorrow we'll have some FanDuel guests in. Andrew's got them all set up. We'll get them in here into the show and we'll talk about some live stuff. Andrew, Man, we're out of here, man. Peace. All right, everybody. Have a fan- have a fantastic night watching the NBA. It's going to be a crazy one. 11 games. Join us in there. It's going to be fun. Have a great one. Enjoy the holiday season, people.